Sibilance. <laughs> check, check. Sibilance. One, two, one, two. Do you know where that comes from? Sibilance? Yeah, it's, it was a uh, SNL bit with yeah, uh, yeah. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He's right. it was the, checking uh, the microphones for uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. That's yeah. right. The, 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 he makes sure they have their scarves. <laughs> Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Listening to the Wicked Library. Welcome to Talking Wicked. Yas. Yeah. What's going on? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. I feel all mellow tonight. <laughs> we should have like, like it's like the quiet storm. Yeah. Hey, cats and kittens, how are you out there? Well, you know, whenever I talk to Nico about creating the uh, the background that we're hearing now and in the opening theme, I was like, yeah, I want it to be the Wicked Library meets like jazz, man. Yeah, man. A coffee shop jazz. I can you dig it. I knew you could. That's right. Oh, yeah. So my guest today is Nelson W. Piles. It's, it's been a while since we've gotten together in studio. True, and, true. Uh, we are in the new studio. <laughs> the garage. The basement. You That's know, right. The, oh, I'm sorry. The, the basement. Vicky, Ninth Story's ba- Victoria's uh, basement. Vicky's basement. That's right. It's the only time, you know, you can call her that is when you're in the basement studio. And this, you know, and I was thinking on the way over here that the garage is has has two functions in general, none of which have anything to do with parking your car. Usually uh, not. It's for recording and rock and roll bands. That's right. So, you know, and rock and roll is meant for garages and roller skating rinks. So we are, and now number three, recording. Yeah. Not ninth Story South. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're down here because you're allergic to dogs and I have two of them. So this is the best option. And and I, I appreciate the accommodation. But look, I mean, you got this, this groovy studio out of it man it's great I'm, I'm looking at you i'm looking at that uh kick-ass uh, lawnmower over there it's great it's a it's a good time 
I'm gonna take. I'm gonna be taking. I, I want to take a picture of that lawnmower because it's just so boss. Yeah, you should take some pictures and post them on Twitter so that uh, people know your your episode is coming up on Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday, is it? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Live trucks. <laughs> yes. So this is a little different because normally whenever I do this part of the show, uh, it's uh, via Skype usually. It's uh, interesting to have somebody in the studio again. Yeah, it's well, I mean, I've had all this equipment sitting in the closet, <laughs> gathering dust, and, and, and I got to pull it out today for this event. Well, yeah, I mean, it helps that I'm local. So, yeah, it does help. <laughs> yeah, when, you know, it's not, you know, we're not in Spain or, well, were you, you, you physically got to meet up with, uh, with Nico. Did you do the interview there or you Skyped in with him, correct? That was, uh, that, yeah, that I was Skyped like, with Nico. I, I, was, I, I was over there in November and um, right, we right, hung right. out in Liverpool. Very cool. Took pictures with the Beatles. Nice, nice. There were other statues anyway. Are there? St- oh, they, they do they have statues in Liverpool? Yes, and they're larger than life. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, yes. I would. They would have to be because exactly. in real life they're like you know three apples high. That's right. Or four apples high. Well, there used to be four of them. And two apples. No, that's terrible. That's morbid. I'm so sorry. So your claim to fame on this show is that you created it. Yes. And you hosted it for five seasons, five long years. Five, yeah. Well, I mean, not even years. I mean, there was that, that, that one season that wasn't really a full season. It was just, you know, like, oh, Inside League season four. But yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think the, the the first episode was in September of 2012. We should add up how many episodes you did, you know, because I'm that kind of guy in compared oh, yeah. to how many episodes I've done so far. Uh, you you probably scaled it because you were just like, well, why stop the train now? That's right. There's 22 episodes. Let's go for 32. Yeah, because yeah, uh, this is what four seasons for me now. Yeah, I'm, I'm approaching next season. Ten will be knock on wood if the librarian allows me. Oh, I'm, season five. Oh, I I believe he will. Season I, five I, seasons. Season ten. I've got as it. it were. I've got it on good authority. Uh, you're 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 secure, sir. So you're good. You're good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was five seasons. Um, and it was it was a good time. And you know, you got to. I I think it was great because you you know you took over the show, realizing as soon as you started, it was like, oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I remember like the like the first season you were like, and it would just be like random messages like, how did you do this? Like yeah. what, you know, and and you were you were a lot smarter about it because you went and you're like, well, why don't we have other people do this stuff? You know, and I, mean, I was just you know just for like you know not that I'm uh, completely socially inept, but I'm completely <laughs> socially inept, so I don't like I'll just do it. I'll just do everything. You know, yeah, it gets to be a lot. It's, I, after the first season, I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to start having some people do music and uh, some other people doing some of the narration work and so on and so forth." And and then last season um, and part of season seven, I actually started experimenting with like the full cast thing, where every part was played by somebody else. Oh, sure, yeah, which is which is fantastic. I mean, a lot of work though. Oh, 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 yes, yeah. crazy amount of work. And, you know, one of the things that I actually kind of missed was kind of that intimate experience that you get when you have one voice telling the story. Sure. And we have such great voice actors that, you know, they can play multiple characters. So that's kind of what we've done for this season, aside from um, different genders. So like your story that we just did, which we're going to talk about today, Just Enough Rope, we had Veronique played by... 
uh, Sarah, and Graham did all the other voices. Yeah, and and uh, they just, they just killed it. They did such a great job. Yeah, you know my massive <laughs> and and I and I wrote to each of them and told them uh, how amazing it was. Uh, just you know, just great, especially especially for Veronique. Um, which is a hard one. Graham sold me completely on my favorite line in the story. I was like, and I knew he was the guy. I actually didn't listen. I listened to a couple of lines here and there. Uh, his, you know, the, the straight narration was great. The characterization for Tom Wall was fantastic. There's one line in particular in there. I'm like, I'm going to listen. I have to listen to this before I listen to everything else he does in this episode. And there, there's a line uh, in the story out of context. If you haven't listened to it, this doesn't ruin anything, but it's a really, it's, it's a tough line. And I'll gleefully admit that I stole the line. Um, there's a line where he says, my, you know, he's questioned uh, by someone he's got by the collar and says, you're out of your jurisdiction. And Tom coldly tells him, my jurisdiction is wherever I happen to be. And that line is very important to establish the kind of guy that Tom is. Mm -hmm. And Graham just killed it. I was like, all right, he's our boy. You know, that's our guy. You know, he did it. Everything, you know, everything else is going to be uh, fuzzy dice and bongos. And it was. The, the story is sounds amazing. With oh, I love his bosun, too. His bosun is fantastic. Yeah, his bosun was great. I was like all right i mean and that wasn't even you know it, it, you know when you're you know as a writer you have different voices assigned in your head mm -hmm. and that was nowhere near what i thought bosun should have sounded like but i f absolutely adored it i was like that's fantastic yeah it's, it's one of those things like where you write it and you have a certain voice and then someone else does it and you're like that's what it's supposed to be yeah absolutely. I, I, a lot of times i do that you know with art with Jeanette, and with with alex uh murd you know like i have a certain idea in mind and i send it to them and i get something back and it's different than what i expected and i'm like well that's so much better than what i thought right right yeah absolutely um but yeah it's 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 really nice to work with graham he does a great job with uh with characters and you know, we're going to do a lot more work with with Graham going forward. But uh, and, and he's been in a lot of stuff. I started working with him actually in the next episode of The Private Collector that's coming out is the second part of The Big Easy. Oh, nice. And that's actually where I first started working with Graham. He plays a character in that. And then from there on out, it was history. You know, nice. We just started working together on a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, he's a really, really, really good guy. Yeah. And, and Sarah is just amazing. She did so great with Veronica because and, and that's you know and that character is just kind of a weird her, her lineage is so odd and I was reading the uh, the reviews of the book and somebody actually mentioned that they're like if you take westerns and horror and you mix in uh, folklore from Europe and someone with a weird accent and it all goes together and it becomes like anybody else this would be totally wrong and screwed up but Piles pulls it off. <laughs> it just, it goes, it's such a weird combination of genres. And it was a total accident, but uh, people really seem to be gravitating towards uh, Tom and Veronique. Yeah, I remember asking you at, um, after, as I was mixing that episode um, on Saturday, last Saturday, um, what type of creature she was. 
because you know at the end of the show I always do go ahead and leave the lights on it'll make it easier for the Strihogi, yeah, to find you. Yeah, so and, and that's why I was asking is because I wanted to throw that in at the end. For those that listen past the commercials and past the end of the show, there's usually something extra at the end. Yeah, which is which is cool. I laughed uh, I, w- I was listening to it on a bus ride actually and I actually laughed out loud. I'm like, "All right, damn." So tell everybody where this story came from. Originally, this was a short story, and and we did it this time as a short story, but it's actually the novel version of the short story. Right, right. Well, so I'm, I'm interested because it's one of those things where I'm always fascinated when someone takes a short story and it's self-contained and it's it, it, it holds its own and it's interesting, but it's enough to inspire you to go, you know what, there's more here. And to be able to take that and stretch it out, not the story itself, but to, to, to dig deeper into that world and have it expand into a novel length story. Sure, sure. Well, the, the original story, I, I wanted to, I, I straight up wanted to write a, a Western. Mm-hmm. Nothing supernatural. Uh, I, the, the, the design for the story was, you know, I'm a big, uh, big fan of uh, Larry McMurtry. Uh, Joe R. Lansdale and, and Joe, you know, has his fingers in a lot of different genres, and one of them is, you know, is westerns. And you know, he, you know, he can write stuff that isn't scary. He can write stuff that isn't, you know, intentionally hilarious. You know, he write he writes some really good hard uh, fiction. Uh, so does Larry McMurtry. And I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to try writing a western. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of. Uh, I think a good exercise for writers of any genre to experiment outside of mm-hmm. their, you know, outside of the range. You know, you want to try writing something new because it it can only help you. Even if you if you try to write a children's story, and it's a terrible children's story, but you still try to write it, and you you kind of develop some new skills. So I wanted to write a straight up western, and about halfway through. Uh, the monsters showed up, <laughs> and sometimes sometimes that happens, and it's yeah. always it's always a surprise when they do. I mean, I've you know I've written other stuff that wasn't uh, that that isn't horror. I've written you know some some critical uh, essays and stuff like that, and it's it's all fun and stuff. But just something about the two characters as the story like raged on. Uh, when I was done writing it, I'm like, where the hell am I gonna? send this story it's a western uh it's action it's horror it's romance you know it was i'm like no one's gonna want this story and the cool thing is uh when you're writing something it's you know all writing should be just done for yourself and it will find you know the audience will find it if you Mm -hmm. put it out there and it just so happened the 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 ink was still steaming on the pages when i got done writing it uh, I got a message from uh, I think it was either Rich or Gary from from Burning Bulb, and said, "Hey, we're opening up an anthology about the Old West. Do you, you want to you know, like? Do you think you could write something?" And within five minutes, I had you know sent the story over. I'm like, "Here you go, boys," and they're like, "When did you write this?" And I'm like, "I finished it 20 minutes ago." And they're like, "Oh, this story is awesome. We'll take it." You know? Yeah. And. As that, uh, and, and that's part of an anthology called Westward Hose. This is the Wicked Library. You know, you can say things like Westward Hose. And it was Western. Well, it was a great the the. Uh, I can't remember the. It had, it's it had based a great on the phrase. What Westward Ho, right? Yeah, West. It was based on Westward Ho, and it had another name, and uh, Gary couldn't use it. 
uh, for for whatever reason. So he went with this because for whatever reason, all of the stories, all nine stories in the book, had something to do with you know the you know the old Western brothels and stuff. My story included. Well, that's kind of part of the culture. Well, exactly. Yeah. So so it was called Westward Hose. And as the reviews started coming in, people were like, I really like this story. I like the dynamic between the two main characters in the story. I hope, and the one thing they called me is like, I hope there's more stories with those two characters. I'm like, huh, okay. So a couple of years go by. Yeah. And the more people find the story, uh, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to write, uh, I was putting together Everything Here is a Nightmare, which is a collection of my short work. Mm hmm and one of the uh, it's a good it's a good idea if you're here's a quick impromptu writer's tip if you're going to put together a short story collection it's always good to have an anchor story where one of the stories is named the the title of your collection should be one of the stories in the book mm -hmm. it's not necessary it's not a rule but it's a nice you know it's a nice touch it's it's yeah. it's a it's a good touch so and this was recommended uh by uh, Sydney Lee uh, I haven't talked to her in ages. I hope she's doing uh, doing well. She was quite ill last time I talked to her. But uh, Sid, if you're listening, hope you're doing great. Um, you know, so I was I started writing a second story featuring Tom and Veronique, and I'm like, I got to get these two crazy kids back together. Yeah. So I started writing uh, writing this story, which takes uh, place a year after Just Enough Rope, and that. Uh, that story became the anchor story for everything here is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so that book came out and uh, one of the, you know, one of my favorite folks that, I, that I've met through, uh, you know, working with you and on the lift and stuff is uh, Jeanette Andromeda mm -hmm. and Jeanette. Well, she loved my first novel, Demon's Dolls and Milkshakes. And, she loved both of the short stories that had to do with Tom and Veronique. And she was like, I want more of this. Can you make this a book? And I think it was like the two of you were like, you know, tag team interviewing me when, when everything here's a nightmare came out. You're yeah, like, yeah. And, and I'm like, well, I am working on it. And she was like, cool. And then I finished it. And I'm like, I need a cover. And she happily dove in and, and gave the brilliant cover for the book. And it just, it wound up being, um, those two short stories uh, factor into the timeline and I just built like a wraparound to, to give a history of the characters and then uh, the entire second half of the book is you know what happens after the end of everything here is a nightmare of the, uh, the story mm -hmm. and people just really 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 dig these characters and I don't know what it is and I haven't gotten tired of telling stories uh, about them yet. So if you know, as long as people want to want to read about them, I'll, I, I reckon I'll just keep writing them. I reckon. I reckon. And that you know that that is not that word. That is a word. When I was working on this, I was walking around coming up with dialogue for Tom. You know, and I do I do that a lot. Yeah. Um, like the 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 one line. Uh, you know, like you know, my jurisdiction is wherever I happen to be. That is one of my favorite. There, uh, there's a book called. Um, I, it's I don't I think it's in Comanche Moon, uh, which is like one of the prequels to Lonesome Dove. One of my favorite literary characters of all time is uh, Augustus McRae from mm. Lonesome Dove, and the younger version of him just like pulls out a gun and it's like it's like you're out of your jurisdiction, McRae. He's like, my, and he like smooths out his mustache, 
you know, it's like my jurisdiction is wherever I happen to be. Pulls a gun out in the guy's face. You know, it was a good yeah. time. So, and, and I made reference to that in the book. So it's not a complete ripoff. And you know, <laughs> I, I love Larry McMurtry. I don't want to get sued, but that line is so fucking good. Can't you know? Um, well, yeah, I think that we borrow occasionally dialogue and stuff from from people that we admire. And, and as long as as long as you know where it comes from. I think that leads you back to that story. Absolutely. So, so hopefully now some people will go out and pick up that book. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't read Lonesome Dove, I mean, I'm not comparing my stuff, but I mean, a lot of, you know, that, you know, that, that spiders in the daffodils is, is really more or less a love letter to Larry McMurtry and Joe Lansdale, mm-hmm. you know, just cause I love that stuff. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not a country music guy. Uh, I, I've, yeah, I've ridden a horse, but I've never shot anyone in the face. But you know, in the stories I get to, and uh, yeah, not that I, yeah, not that I want to do that, but right. uh, but I just there's there's something about you know the you know the the western, uh, the western novel, the western movie, uh, all of that stuff. I just you know I, I love it. It, it is a, an exclusively uh, American romantic literary ideal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, I love westerns too. I mean, I watched a lot of. Uh, Deadwood, you know, like I, I basically found I, I knew about Deadwood for years. Sure. Never watched it. Um, but I finally it was one of the times when my wife was traveling and I had nothing to do. And I'm like, I was on break from doing the shows because I need my downtime, you know, doing the lift and the private collector and um, the Wicked Library and Wicked all this. So I'm like, I need a little bit of downtime. So I took, I think, like a month and a half off and uh, I was watching a ton of Deadwood. And I, and I came out of that being like. I want to write a Western now. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, mean, I wrote a lift story that was, you know, based in the old West. But right, yeah. I mean, and it's it's so fun to write. I mean, that's, you know, that that that's part of the appeal of being a writer in the first place. Is it's a hell of a lot of fun. You know what I I thought was fun about it was, it, it's there's so many tropes right in westerns. I mean, in any any genre really, any genre fiction. There's so many tropes is to revisit those tropes in an interesting way to kind of nod your, your head to them and, and tip your hat to the tropes, but you know, kind of start to go down that path, but then twist and go a different way. And that's right. the fun part It's like, you think, you know where I'm going, but now I'm going to take a left turn. Yeah. And, and that stuff it, it's, and you have a hell of a lot of fun. And I think the audience has a lot of fun with it yeah. too. There's a, there, there's a sequence uh, with, without giving too much away, there's a there's a great sequence in the in the early part of the novel, um, where where Tom has to save his commanding officer in the, in the Texas Rangers, and he's been kidnapped by a, like a, you know a rogue uh, native chief, mm-hmm. and like you know Tom is Tom has sort of become like a very young legendary. Uh, you know, for a really, really young. He's like at this point in the book, he's like in his very early twenties, mm-hmm. and you know they, it, they 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 call him Eagle Eye because he's a very good shot. But he also he, the way his eyes are set, he look you know the, he's got like a dead man's eye. You know, his very cruel looking eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to Warren Murphy for that phrase. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, there's a, like, and it's you know, for that part of the story, it's building up the big confrontation, and it's over like that, m- like mid sentence. It just, you know, it's like, you know, it, it was like this this big build up that just never happens. And when I wrote it, I I laughed for like five minutes, and I'm like, <laughs> we're we're having an we're having an intimate conversation. So so Tom finds the chief, and he finds his uh, 
you know, his friend and his commanding officer, and the the native chief starts go begins this hardcore soliloquy of death, and Tom just shoots him, doesn't stop walking, shoots him in the face, and steps over him to un you know to save his friends. Yeah, it's like it's just one big flute. It's like so at last we. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it reminds me of the the Indiana Jones scene where the guy pulls out the knives and everything, and or, or not the knives, the, the swords, and he's yeah. you know doing the whole routine and he just shoots him. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's fantastic. And, and I don't know if you know, there's a great story behind that. He actually had dysentery. Yeah, <laughs> and he was so sick, he's just like, I'll, I'll just shoot him. And it's it was perfect. It's one of those ad lib things, like you know, you're gonna need a bigger boat. All the ad lib things that are. And, fantastic because they just kind of happen it's spielberg's great for that on the fly stuff oh yeah my favorite you know here we'll, we'll veer way off okay so my, one of my favorite spielberg movies is jaws and there's a great scene in jaws uh it's a it's a famous scene where uh richard dreyfus uh goes to look for the boat that's missing yeah um so him uh him and, and roy scheider take the boat and they go out in the middle of the night to find this like to go to the approximate area and he's in the water and he pulls a shark tooth out of the boat and then the guy's head falls down yeah that was shot in spielberg's swimming pool <laughs> and they got the boat and they put it in the swimming pool and they got all the cameras and stuff and then he took four gallons of milk and dumped it into the pool so it would look murky and just lit it i'm like that's so cool I'm like, yeah that's like guerrilla filmmaking i yeah. love yeah. that shit it's great yeah um you know and that and that for stuff hearing stuff like that that's why i don't mind uh book adaptations string too far you know like you know not very far from the book material but like you can't do that shit without like okay well this is my movie i'm gonna do it this way yeah yeah i i respect that a little bit especially when it comes out as good as jaws oh yeah so what's it like to come back to the show that you created and you've poured blood, sweat, and tears into for so long and have one of your stories be kind of front and center. Uh, it's it's not, it's not the first time we've done it, but no, no, you know, but I mean, this is, you know, th this is really kind of, uh, it, it, it's always really cool. Uh, I never realized how cool it was to have someone else narrate your work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, and that's like, I mean, uh, this story is just you know it's 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 weird because it takes it, it really takes you you out of the equation you as a writer it takes you out of the equation and you can kind of enjoy it and it doesn't make you cringe when you hear the dialogue like oh that sentence was really nice okay like it is like okay was it written that way or did, was there like on the fly editing for the, for the narrators like that sentence sucks that's clunky to say you know um, but it's really nice to hear the characters kind of come to life outside of outside of your head. And I mean, one of the appealing things about doing the show was, you know, well, getting to read it like a, you know, a shit ton of free horror fiction from really yeah. great writers. That was always the best perk. Uh, and then like reading them out loud and, you know, and I would get messages from the authors. It's like, it's so cool to hear my story. And... I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, I created the show, but I'm a fan of it too. You know, it's really cool to hear, uh, to hear your work being uh, painstakingly narrated and well, yeah, uh, by by some some voice actors. Uh, was it Nicole who did Mrs. Morrison's Pie, mm -hmm. which is remains my favorite. I like that's my still my favorite short story. I yeah. love that story, and I especially love 
how it came out because she did all the voices on that and she had like very distinct uh, vocal qualities for the yeah for the mains on there and the and uh, the kids she did great it almost makes me cry at the end when when we get to yeah. the end of the story it makes me a little weepy I'm like you can't cry bitch this is, you wrote this story see that's the thing is like you know when you have somebody else interpret it and add themselves to it like when we write stuff and it's our words on paper you know it's it has a certain weight to you but you're very close to it and when when somebody else takes it and they add their own experience and their own emotions to it and you know they're they're taking you have your own emotions and experience that you brought to the table when you write the story and they bring something else to it you know their own interpretation and it's just amazing when you know it just clicks and you're like wow that's the best part for me sometimes is when you hear you get like halfway through and you forget that it's your story you're listening yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's fantastic. It's it's it, it's it makes it more fun too. Like when uh uh the Halloween episode for the left. I forgot I wrote that. I mean like and you know the librarian shows up at the end and I am the fucking librarian and I was like oh oh, oh that's right. Like that actually was the only moment in this story that kind of pulled me pulled me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of let it go and let the rest of the story go. And, I, and I, I'm like, I was tearing up. I'm like, wow. You know, and then I'm like, that's really arrogant to cry at your own fucking story. Right? <laughs> I like, mean, because I feel that too. It's so like, there's certain things that I've written and I get a little weepy and I'm like, am I am I emotional because it's good or am I emotional because I'm too close to it and I know like what that really means or what from my life experience is actually incorporated into that story. Well, there's an old, there, there's an old Pete Townsend quote. You know, it was from, uh, from the song join together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really funny that he gave Roger the line to sing. It's like, it's the singer, not the song. And that kind of, you know, that I think, I think that kind of applies, you know, it's like, oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, you know, you're only as good as the people who are interpreting your story. And, you know, and that goes further, you know, for the reader as well. I mean, I'm sure there's loads of people out there. It's like, well, why does Nelson keep getting slots on the lift or or his own podcast? I liked him better when he wasn't writing anything for anything, anyone. Um, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, and I don't think so. Uh, well, I mean, you know, there's got to be a few. Yeah, well, then but. they can stop listening. <laughs> because the people that I pick to to, to be on the show or to write for the shows, it's not based upon a relationship. I mean, that helps, right? But sure. it's it's based upon is the story good or not? Sure. And you know, is is that author going to help promote the show? Is that author going to help bring new listeners to the show? Which is good not only for that author, but for the next author that comes after and the next author that comes after that because the model has remained the same. It's it's all about trying to help the authors find new readers right right people that would not have come to them or found their work because we're all independent writers right so we don't have this big publishing house behind us and it's hard to get your work to that audience sometimes and this is just a vehicle for you for the listeners to discover new authors and discover new voice actors that they like and discover new artists and you know it's kind of this synergetic thing where all these people are working together and we cross populate you know our fans and and it gets bigger and better because of it for everybody yeah i mean and it's and it's really you know and and since you you took the reins i mean it's really expanded um you know and you know not 
I always wanted the show to do to be more to be bigger than the idea that it was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for you know, you know, a little bit selfish reasons because you know, you know, as you know, as an independent writer, I'm really good at cheerleading other people, mm-hmm. and I'm horrible at doing it myself. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, like you know, I'm a one man promotion team for pretty much almost anyone else, and I kind of suck at it on my own. So, um, you know. It was it was a good way to kind of like you know do something extroverted being an introvert. So I was doing you know promoting other people's stuff week after week, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of those uh, a lot of those a lot of those folks considered the Wicked Library their first break uh, into the business. I mean you know I don't think anyone, with the exception of a few people that were already pretty well established when they came to us, like you know Bev Vincent or. Uh, or Joe Lansdale or Neil Gaiman, Neil, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm going to name drop like Paul Anderson, you know, that's right. Uh, We've had him on the show, Paul Anderson. And, and, it's, um, and, it's, and I mean, sure. It's cool to have <clears throat> those names to be able to drop, but more importantly, the philosophy behind that has always been that hopefully some of their fans will listen to the show and discover other authors. Right. Absolutely. And I think, and, and a, a really nice fun side effect is that other authors have discovered, discovered other authors yes. that are like, you know, all, all tight and friendly and stuff. Now. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the, the things oh. that I'm always the most excited about is whenever I see, you know, someone who is an author or has their own thing that they're doing on the side that hooks up with, I'll use an example like Mark Nixon from shadows at the door that hooks up with Nico and Nico does his music for his podcast now. Right. Right. You know, or, you know, just the connections that people make through the show, you know, where you see them off doing another side project together. And, and I think that's the whole purpose of what this is. It's, you know, not only about bringing new fans to the show, but it's also about creating a community. Um, and that's really been my driving force behind this is creating this this community where we all kind of support and work with each other. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and it's it, it's a it's a small but growing and thriving community uh, that we're fully part of now. I mean, you know, it's you know, it really was a grassroots effort in the, in the very beginning, and now, you know, we're we're like an inst- you know, I keep saying way. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, well you're a I, part of this. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I know you handed the show over to me, but I've always kept you involved, not only as, and we'll talk about that after we take a little break about the librarian's growing role ah. uh, from from where he started as kind of just being the voice in the dark to being a kind of a full fledged character. Um, but you know, I mean, I've always respected the fact that you created the show and and you've wanted to be i've always been thankful that you've wanted to stay involved in some capacity because um you know i i look to you for advice and you know we've become good friends through the process and um i can always use more friends so you know that's, that's a good <laughs> yeah, thing you and me both my friend that's right um but yeah i mean it's it's you know you're definitely a big part of it and you know it's um it's nice to kind of lure you back in slowly to to certain (laughs) things and and some of the new things that we've we've done with the show and we've done cool things with it there's so many so many cool things yet to talk about that's right so yeah we'll we'll take a little break and then we'll uh we'll come back and we'll talk a little more about the uh the librarian and, and beyond outstanding how many choices do you make in a day in a year in a lifetime 
How many really matter in the end? Do you agonize over the small ones and avoid the important ones? Here on my lift, in this place where all things are possible, your choice matters. Your choices require sacrifice. Will you make the right one? Choose to listen to the lift in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. Thanks. Let's see. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, my dears. Was that a Pilsner you got there, mate? No, this yeah. is a Hefeweizen. Oh. God bless I, you. I'm such a fucking beer snob when I come back from Germany. My, my sister, she's stationed over there, and, and I, I went over to see her and the baby again. Right, right. The beer's so good over there. <laughs> it's so cheap, too. It's cheaper than water. Yeah. I mean, it's just... it's, And I come back, and I'm like... Nothing is tastes good to me anymore. It takes a few months to get back to normal. Yeah, I could, yeah, it's a, it, it takes a little adjusting. Now, do they? Now, I know in the UK when when you go to like get a pint or something, it's like room temperature. There's no there's like no refrigeration of the the pints or the beers or the bitters. What about Germany? Is it like no, ice they cold? cold? I oh, went yeah. to the I went to the beer garden when I was writing uh, Von Hamlin, which is a upcoming lift episode. Um, yeah, I. I Everybody else is just kind of hanging out and carousing, and I'm sitting there writing. But I was drinking beer and eating sausage, so, you know. Nice. Very cool, very cool. Ich mochte ein Hefeweizen und ein Bretzel. Sorry, I was looking at that. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a, uh, uh, a cola of a mystery brand because I don't want to give them free advertising. I just wanted to check the calorie count. Sorry, that it's was zero. Like, it is zero. That's thus the name. That's the name. Figure it out, kids. Yeah, you can get it's that blank zero. Yeah, <laughs> zero zero sugar, zucker. Jawohl, queen. Yeah, we we have listeners <laughs> in Germany. Guten Tag, wie geht's? That's the extent of my German. No, I I know a little bit. I, I've taught myself to you know say the polite things and be able to order beer and food and stuff. You know? I, I would like to show off the only German that I know. I, I know uh, schnell, and this this handy phrase I learned from my beloved Aunt Rosemary. Achtung, Wiener Schnitzel! Listen Which, to the Wiener Schnitzel? No, attention veal. Oh, attention veal. <laughs> attention veal. So when when uh, my sister and I were, were being you know, randy little ragamuffins that we were, she would, and, and she spoke German very well. Oh. Uh, she was... Uh, she she was kind of like uh, you know she was kind of like uh, Maria from Sound of Music except not during World War Two, and uh, didn't marry the guy whose children. But she was just tied up in bows. But she was she was a nun, and she was like an au pair for some German folks uh, in Germany. So she had to pick up the language a little bit and stuff. Yeah. And my it, it's great because those kids were probably traumatized because my aunt has like the best death stare of anyone living or dead that I could think of. And like, so she would like corral them and say, Achtung, Wiener Schnitzel. And they would all like snap in, into it. Like, you know, my sister and I did when, you know, she was older and no longer a nun. So 
There's a little bit of command in that language. Oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Guten Tag, which means good day. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> sounds like you're telling somebody that they better get their shit together. Absolutely. And you know what it. You know, depending on who's doing the delivering, it is still just you know like a, a like it's such a, a you know it's not a harsh it's a beautiful language but man it's just like you know here's how we say goodbye in Austria and here's how we say goodbye in Germany yeah right <laughs> remember the <laughs> Doctor Jones absolutely I'm just as human as the next man <laughs> I was the next man <laughs> yeah so let's talk about the librarian yes Uncle Crispy as he is sometimes called that's right. Um, so, so when you started out with the librarian, he was just kind of uh, a sidekick. Um, he'd kind of introduce the show and say hello, and um, kind of a throwback to the old late nights horror TV shows where you had that interesting character. Well, it was even it, it was it was a straight up uh, homage to. Cryptkeeper, um, mm-hmm. the and uh, rest in peace, Mad Magazine. I heard it was uh, it was going out of business yeah. uh, earlier this week, which it's is really a shame. sad, actually. And the uh, the guy who created Mad Magazine is a guy named Bill Gaines, and Bill also had the uh, auspicious uh, talent predating Mad Magazine. He also created EC Comics, mm-hmm. and that is where uh, Tales from the Crypt came from. Right. Uh, Tales from the Vault. Uh, Vault of Horror, you know, all those great uh, old horror comic books that were just like, you know, grand morality plays, but you had like heavy hitter, like genre bending authors like uh, Richard Matheson writing for the, you know, for EC Comics and stuff. And there was a Crypt Keeper who, who gained a lot more uh, notoriety when HBO started doing the TV show version of it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, John Kassir, who who is a, is a Pennsylvania native, uh, I think he's still a resident, and he lives uh, probably not too far from us. Um, did the voice for the for the the Crypt Keeper? Oh, okay. And the Crypt Keeper was, you know, like the whole, you know, and the Crypt Keeper, and there was the the, the Vault Keeper and the Old Hag. There was like they, they were like the magic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were comics. The, yeah, right. Yeah, so they were like they were the three main hosts for for the different titles. And the Crypt Keeper, you know, became the most popular of them, all those great puns and stuff. So when putting together the Wicked Library, I'm like, I'd kind of like something like the Crypt Keeper, like a, like a host. I mean, we, you know, we live, uh, I grew up watching uh, B-movie late night Saturday night TV shows, you know, like Elvira, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, in their uh, MST3K, which is Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, uh, even locally here in Pittsburgh, there was a show on for a few years called the uh, the It's Alive show. Uh, the Sven Gulli, like just all these great, uh, cheesy, campy, funny, clever, just fun. Yeah, it's about the fun, right? It's exactly. a, it's all about the fun. So I wanted, you know, I kind of wanted my own guy. So uh, I came up with the library. It's like, well, it's called the Wicked Library. What do you need? You need a librarian, and I didn't want to make him. Uh, like the Crypt Keeper, uh, he was not intended to be. He was never intended to do anything more than just do the intro to the show. Right. And by the, the, the by the first Halloween, that it all changed. Like he was, you know, <laughs> doing some other fun stuff. Um, I had him narrate a couple of stories, you know, or or little bits and stuff. 
Uh, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't meant to be like an, an actual character. He just kind of sorted it. You know, he, he evolved. He wanted to live. He wanted to live. And I remember this was like what a, a couple of years ago. Somebody was accusing so like, oh, the librarians are rip up of the crypt keeper. And the first response was, you know, was no, he's not. And second was all. And the second response was uh, an expletive. <laughs> the third response was another expletive with a gerund and it was like he's not a rip off the crypt f you f and f you and i, I went into like I, I think we were doing like librarian jobs when you showed me that that yeah, that yeah, email yeah. and i and as the librarian and it will never air but like the librarian responded yeah. viciously and violently and hilariously like we we the were keepers a friend of mine we were we were crying it was like <laughs> it was it was the it was the the librarian that you'll probably never ever hear unless uh, i i get really toasty which doesn't happen often at all but yeah you only took like a half a shot today when we christened the studio well that's right well you know you know it's, you know, it's got it's, a pair in it. it. It does have a pair in it, but I got a pair on me too. Oh, um, but, <laughs> sorry, kitties. Um, but you, you, you know, the librarian kind of stepped out with. There was a. I, I think it was. Uh, the I think it was your first Christmas special, where where he kind of stepped out and was like, "Well, no, no, I don't think it was like." You had, you had been trying to you, you're very here let's tell let's talk about Dan for a second Dan loves meta things yes, he likes things that allude to other things um, I think it's in the Neil Gaiman episode the, the story that you had written uh, that appeared in that episode uh, oh yeah yeah Stitch shows up in that episode yeah Stitch shows from Sti Demon's Dolls and Milkshakes right. I actually we didn't we, we knew each other a little bit at this point right absolutely um yeah. And the, the the story that's in the Neil Gaiman episode actually had an earlier life. I put it out whenever I was still doing Night Story podcast as a Halloween story. We knew each other a little bit. This was before I took over Wicked Library. I think I had interviewed you a couple of times and we had talked and we were friendly. And I asked you if I could put Stitch in the story, you know, just as kind of just a reference to him. And, uh, you know, you gave me permission to do it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, where are we was, going with that? Well, I was talking about how much you like meta things. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Now, now the fun thing is, now here's here's a fun thing that probably you don't even know. Uh, at the point when, when you know I agonized over giving you uh, permission to use Stitch, because at the time I was uh, so not a meta guy. You know, I was like, oh no, you cannot do it. It's mine. You know, and I'm like, I've given him the fucking show. I need to relax. This is, you know, it's it's not my here. If, you, if you're gonna give, and and it was like a really, uh, really about a year before I really got comfortable with, with doing. And you'd been hitting me up to use the librarian for other stuff, and I would have been like, yeah, no, no, no. And then I'm, I I forget what it was. It was it was probably midway or almost the end of the first season. I was like, what am why am I why am I resisting it's like this can this can only be fun and it wound up uh, doing an origin story for the librarian oh yeah yeah which really kind of expand really kind of expanded I'm like okay um, here's his origin story and then you were like you know you were like you know it would be funny not to make you sound like Stewie but you know it would be funny if 
you know, what about an episode with uh, Victoria and the librarian? And that was pretty much the only prompt. And I'm like, okay. And, and I would like, you know, and I didn't cue you in as to what the story was going to be until I, like, I would hit you up for like, like, okay, well, what happens here? Cause you know, I'm, you know, as much as I love Victoria and I love the history and I love writing lift stories, I really do. Even when they don't have uh, the librarian in them, <laughs> but you know, like, you know, I, I, I remember pounding out uh, the first the, the first draft for uh, Raison d'Etre and I'm like, okay, what are you thinking? We're like, whoa, that's pretty, you know, like even when I sent you the Christmas story with the librarian, which goes into how the librarian becomes the librarian, um, I kind of I kind of fell fell into the the, the meta trap. I'm like, I, I think I kind of like it. It's like, is it fan fiction if you created it? Kind of is, I guess, you know, so um and the librarian just slowly and surely started taking taking on a life and a personality that he did not otherwise have. It was just like, you know, hello kitties and you know, all of the uh all of the punny stuff that he does and the laugh and the you know. Yeah, we I think we tried a gimmick for a while where we had him killing people at the uh, at the beginning of yeah. of each episode. And and then um when we got to a certain point i was like you know i'd like to do i'd like to explore what the librarian does with this time and it actually kind of goes back to how victoria got her own show like whenever i was doing night story with craig i created victoria as kind of a mascot and you know just the creepy little girl with the music box and you know it's so on and so forth and craig said to me one time he's like well what does victoria do with the rest of her time when she's not on the ninth story and i'm like well, if there's nine stories, then that means there's eight more. And we started talking, Cindy and my friend Chuck and I started talking about, you know, like Dante's Inferno and the nine circles of hell. And, you know, if there's nine, nine levels to this to this building, what goes on in the other ones? And started talking about the Twilight Zone and, and Night Gallery and Fantasy Island and just kind of it evolved from there. And, and, and it kind of was the same thing. I sat down one day and I'm like, well, what does the librarian actually do? What is his job? Why is he in this library? He has a lot of time on his hands. He must be doing something. And we started talking about doing um, The Private Collector. So I wanted to do a noir detective meets Lovecraft and started talking to Aaron Vleck about it and um, talked to you about giving her the, the, the ability to write the librarian and write the character and um, you know she has really added some new layers and levels to what he does and what his job is. And it's 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 really great. I mean, and it's kind of it's it's very it's very interesting to see someone drive a character. Yes, someone someone that is not you. Like I mean, you know, when you I had always uh, when you started doing the lift and you opened it up to for other authors to 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 write her character in my head i balked you know i mean like i'm i'm still very much uh introverted and i'm very protective about the things that i like and stuff and i'm like and in my in my head i'm like i would never do that with one of my i would never let anybody else write for you know but why would anyone do that and then i was like i kind of want to see what aaron does because aaron's a brilliant writer love her stuff she's fantastic i'm like i want to see what she does and so like you're like hey uh, aaron wants to write you, know, you you pitched me the idea of the private collector. I'm like, 
all right, let's 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 see. You know, sure, I kind of want to see what she does. Yeah, and it's so cool. It it really is cool. It it is. I mean, and and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do that. I wanted you to get that experience of letting somebody else that you trust write your character, and, and they pick up on all the little subtle clues of of the character that you create that you probably don't even know, and then they take it in new directions. You know, so. When I took Victoria and I let all these other people write her, I mean, I still had final approval, of course, you know, on her lines. And I've tweaked her lines a little bit here and there. But for the most part, they get her and they get her character because I've provided so much information about her backstory and everything. Um, but, yeah, with the, with the librarian, we wanted to kind of do the same thing and just explore and, and, and have his character grow by having so many different people write Victoria Aside from myself, she's kind of become this very nuanced character. And I think that the librarian's kind of the same thing with Aaron writing him. There's like there's there's some compassion to him and there's a purpose to what he does. And he's become this kind of very knowledgeable um, big boss, I think you called him one time. Well, Mr. Big, Mr. Big. So like he has like this whole thing that he's running behind the scenes and he's into all this other stuff that um, we get to explore in that show. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it really kind of kind of expanded what, you know, what the librarian started out in my head being like, he went from just like a figure, he was a mascot. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, well, he's more than a mascot. He's, he's very funny. He's very clever. Uh, he's a doting uncle mm-hmm. to to Victoria, and there's still I mean there is still uh, a lot of mileage, and I don't want to kill it, so I don't do like you know when, when it's like hey write a story about you know write a lift story, I'm almost hesitant to put him in it because there's some stuff I'm saving for yeah yeah for for Victoria and the librarian, mm-hmm. uh, like how they actually know each other yeah like that's that's uncharted territory, but I mean. And they're very, very fun to write. Yeah, the the two of them together, just a scream. I love it, and I, I I like how people react to the librarian with her. Yeah, he brings out a she brings out a different side of him, and it's and it's great because it's you know it's you know and all of the facets of his personal like one of the things that I love that Aaron Aaron does, he doesn't like he's he's very he's very punny he's very funny. Uh, you know, but he's also whip smart, and there is like zero fucking around when it's time for business. Right, right. And you know, there's still like he still has a little bit of a twinkle to him. Yeah. But it's like you know, you know, like time time to go to work and field. You know, like the, the, like he's just like, uh, yeah, it's all great and everything. I hired you. Do my shit. Yeah. And it's and it's great. And it's like, it, it's it's really kind of she writes really great. Uh, tough language, mm-hmm. uh, very articulate, and still very much uh, in his life, in, in his in his makeup. You know, it's great. Like few people, kind of get. Uh, it took you know, like when you started doing, like you would send me a script, like, "Hey, I need the librarian to to do this," and I would tweak the hell out of the script. I'm like, yeah, yeah. "Okay, well, I'm gonna do this and this," and there got to be a point, and I don't know when it was, where I read the script. I'm like, I don't have to change a thing on this like he's got it and, and it's a very difficult character because it's you know when you have something in your head it's hard to express although that is our fucking raison d'etre right. which is to r- express what's in our head onto the page 
But, you know, writers will tell you that you kind of want to get as close to what's in your head as possible, but you never quite get it. But you like, I don't know what, I, I don't know where that point came where it was like, like, I don't have to tweak a thing about any Maybe life. it was the last Christmas episode where we did uh, Deck the Halls. And it was him and Victoria kind of, he was he was trying to, to do something nice for Victoria. And he was literally interpreting Deck the Halls. <laughs> but he was slightly off in his interpretation. It was even, but you know, it was even before that. That was like the that was like the masterpiece. So that was that was fantastic. <laughs> that was, was I had a lot so of fun with that funny. One. I was like, this is this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that was great. Go go back and listen to that one. That's some fun fun Christmassy hijinks right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I re- and I remember like read. I, I I think I was in the living room reading it on my phone. It's laughing my head off. It's not bowels of holly. It's <laughs> bowels of holly. The plants. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Sorry, holly. <laughs> it is great. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, he's just he's he's his, he's he's his own little cottage industry now. It's it, yeah. It's where. What, sorry. So let's see. Let's okay. So there's uh, the wicked library. Right. He, uh, he makes appearances on the lift on occasion. Mm-hmm. He's got his own spinoff show. Uh, yeah, where the, the we private explore, yeah the private collector and Wicked Fairy Tales. Ah, uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> we, so, so, so yeah. And and you know, I gotta I gotta give a lot of credit to Erin Vleck on this because that's one of the things that she said is you have this great character and you have the Wicked Library expand it you know use what works and expand it into other things and i've always been a huge fan of um of folk tales and fairy tales and fairy tales to me i've always believed that fairy tales are the first horror stories absolutely yeah. because there's they're terrifying and they're cautionary tales which is what horror at its root is it's, it's ex- exploration of power and those that don't have power and those that do and situations where you know a lot of horror is cautionary it's it's basically you know be a good person because these are the bad things that can happen and it it explores kind of what i think is we've built up society around us and you know you can walk outside and there's lights and you can go downtown and there's lights and there's people around but go out camping in the middle of nowhere where there's no lights and it's nothing but stars and it's pitch black and something is out there in the woods and you're right back where your ancestors were. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, right, exactly. And there's this undercurrent to the world that we don't hear anymore because we're in, we've created all this around us to protect ourselves and and it's touching back to that. And you go to these old horror stories and some of them, or these old fairy tales, I should say, and they're, wicked awful like i mean some of the things in these fairy tales are just like shocking to me because even with modern sensibilities you read them and you're like holy shit right yeah it's you <laughs> you fucking went there repeatedly exactly um and, and so so whenever we did last halloween we had the librarian narrating some of the stories and uh kind of as, as you know something to try something fun and i thought you know if the librarian was sitting around and telling stories, it would probably be these old stories, these fairy tales, and it would be with his own interpretation. Um, so, you know, asking you to do the librarian and, and just say, okay, here's some fairy tales, narrate them. 
I, I mean, people love them. You know, the it's it's a it's a Patreon exclusive thing, so not everybody gets to hear them. We've we've leaked out a couple of them just to let people know what they are. Oh yeah, but and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you have a lot of fun with them, and and I I know Nico has a lot of fun writing the music for them, and and just it's it's just fun. You know, it, it's it, like, and as as most things should be, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just like. You know, you get to, you know, the, the thing with the librarian, you know, it's, you know, like you either have to write all of the stuff out um, or just, you know, improv until something works. And the fairy tales, it's just like you have to, and I kind of have to work up to, to get into his head a little bit. So I'm walking around the house and for, for those of you, for those of you, you know, the librarian's biggest uh, friend is pitch correction. Um, or pitch shifting, I should say. So, you know, the voice is a little deeper, so he's not a screeching. Uh, I, I didn't want him sounding like the Crypt Keeper. He's not a... Hey, but to get that the, the sound that comes out of him, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, Mark Hamill doing the Joker voice, you know, and I'm I'm wildly gesticulating <laughs> as I'm doing the voice. I mean, you've, you've seen me do... Oh, yeah. You've seen me do it, and my hands are all over the place and hitting stuff and knocking things over, and uh, the, get the the wild. He, he possesses you. Is yeah, what happens. I mean, I mean, you know, it's funny because Erin, as as you know, she's uh, has some some history with uh, magic, as it not like magic, like pulling rabbits out of hats, but actual magic, right? With the K, yeah, which is one of the reasons why I've, I I asked her to to write the the private collector stuff because I wanted that magic and chaos magic and stuff to be permeated through it and I wanted it to be it, I didn't want it to be charmed you know what I mean I wanted it to be something authentic um, and that's one of the things that she said to me before is that you know whenever you are doing the librarian it's almost like a working of a spell you're you're embody, you're bringing him into yourself and that character comes through you it's not you it's the character speaking through you yeah, I mean it's 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 involved, and I have to like my my recording space is on the second floor, uh, of of the compound, and uh, <laughs> the piles compound, the piles compound, and I'll start and I will go in the basement, like, and I'll just start, I'll start laughing, and I'll just you know start commenting on everything as I'm as I'm walking up, you know, like the the Hello Kitty's line is really just kind of like that's that's the knocking on the door. And by the time I get up to the second floor, I'm sitting like three feet away from the microphone because the librarian voice is very loud. Yeah. So like if you like, okay, so we're going to, we'll, we'll do a fun. Here's a, here's a nice little post-production experiment for you, Dan. Uh, okay. So the librarian is going to come in. I don't know how much time we have left, but. No, I'm just looking at the timestamp <clears throat> so I know where I'm editing that. Okay. So, uh, so the librarian comes in. You know, like, and just do like what the voice sounds like without the pitch and and with it. So, come over here. Oh, hello, Dan. Lovely to see you. Sorry about the clock in the head, oh, but shit. you look like you needed a lump. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, hello, Dan. Lovely to see you. Sorry about the clock in the head. But you look like you needed a lump. <laughs> that's creepy, man. Okay. Yeah. So, and you know, and that's what it sounds like. So we'll we'll back it up, and I don't know if you're gonna like just refilter that one, or it's like, well, hello 
kiddies. It's nice to be in your little basement. Is this where all the hours are whittled away? You know, stuff, you know, and it, it just, you know, and it's not a material until I get to the second floor, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm, you know, and then I'm making fun of the Grimm brothers on the fairy tale stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, applauding the Me Too movement as the librarian, you know? I love that the librarian thinks the Grimm brothers actually wrote all the stuff. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to attribute it to, like, you know... It's like, here's another one from Wilhelm, Wilhelm and his useless brother. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. Oh, it's so much so, fun. So what, so what, is, uh, what do the wife and kids think of the librarian? They are... You know what? It's it's very funny. They have to... They're, they're never around when the librarian comes out like very rarely will they do because my my old my youngest one who's who's 12 and she's actually finally uh gravitating towards uh horror stuff and it, it through no wow. through no intervention of my own we'll give her a season pass she can get the first five seasons no um, <laughs> that's my dad well no i'm my oldest one has started reading my stuff so and she you know and she's uh she li- she's down with all things. Listen to just enough rope. Uh, no, I mean here's here's the thing. Like at the end of the day, she's you know she she's my daughter and, and, and I love her and she loves me. They're both my daughters and I love them very much. Um, but at the end of the day, regardless, you know you know dad is dad, dad's a little square, you know. So, <laughs> I mean you know musically she wants to you know Annabelle wants to do music projects with me. You mm-hmm. know she's done she she loves the Wicked Library. She loves the idea of the Wicked Library. Um, she's done some some uh, voiceover stuff for uh, yes, for the for show the lift for and the lift and, and for the Wicked Library. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's done artwork. She did the cover for the newest Novus uh, release, which is killer. It's like really cool cover. Um, that being said, uh, she doesn't dive into the you know the the family trust to listen to what you know. This is what Daddy does. It's like yeah, no. You know, it's, <laughs> so and and that's fine. I mean, you know, the it, it's great. Like, you know, she's she's actually read. I think uh, she she read everything. Here's a nightmare in spiders. And I think she's still working on uh, demons, dolls, and milkshakes. Like, she's 15, so you know, she. I took her to see it in the theater. I yeah. think she can handle demons, dolls, and milkshakes. So you see, that's the funny thing is, I remember like when I was a kid hanging out at the, there's like the house that I grew up in there was a stairwell and you know it had a, the banister and it had the the slats and everything and I remember coming down the stairs and sitting there and watching you know horror movies that my parents would watch oh yeah the, yeah through the slats so oh so, yeah so so Neil Gaiman has said before like Coraline adults are more disturbed by Coraline than children are like they, oh, yeah. they get the story and they understand it. It's just like, you know, like fairy tales. I mean, we've watered them down. Um, House of Mouse has watered down the fairy tales to, to be what they are that are consumable. But you go back to those original versions. Oh, yeah. just it, it, Whatever original is. But, I mean, you go back to the older versions of these stories. Like, Cinderella is horrific. Look, look at The uh, Little Mermaid is horrific. It's awful. Oh, that's the one I was going to point out. It's like, that's just fucking brutal. Like, she's foam. You know, look what the hell. I- yeah, there's, like, blood and cutting and, you know. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's why I really enjoy doing these, you know, wicked fairy tales. Because... 
we don't really alter the story. The library, the librarian adds some commentary, but the text is the original text. Oh it's, yeah, it's and it's it's just way fun to 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 comment on it. Yeah. So it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun, and not a lot of people people say they do, but they don't go back and read those old, you know, the 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 OG. That's the cool thing about it is I think we're bringing these stories to people that would normally not see them. We're bringing fairies back. Yeah. <laughs> So last, <laughs> la, the, the most recent one we did was the Devil's Sooty Brother, oh. which I had never heard that fairy tale. That's it, that's a fun thing for me is finding these fairy tales that I'm familiar with, that I but I don't know that original version or that older version of, or finding new things that I didn't even know existed. Like and the Devil's Sooty Brother was fantastic. Oh, it's great! It's so cool. It's like the moral is. You know, the devil's really not that bad of a guy. Yeah, he takes he, good care of him. Hey, yeah, he's like, hey, just, you know, don't, you know, don't dick around and you'll be fine. And, That's right. And he, he lived up there. It was like, yeah, it was great. I, I, and I love that. The, the, the fun thing is just discovering all of this stuff as the librarian. It's like, what the hell? It's like... <laughs> It's so great. It's like, wait, is the li- wait, they're running a, is the devil running a uh, sport clips? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you have to become a Patreon uh, Patreon supporter to hear that, or, or or a supporter of the show on on the the websites. Yeah, there's there there there's some there's some there's gold some... in there. You know, we we may make those available for purchase. Maybe we should put them on Bandcamp or something. I think so. Because I'll tell you what, you know, not, one thing I, I I've I've gone back on something. I was like, I would never wear my own merch, and technically the show's yours, so it's not. Yeah. But I got I got the uh, the my my wicked library hoodie. People are like, wow, that's really cool. I'm like Alex Murd on my back. That's right. And my front and your front. So and I want you know, it's a one of a kind. Nobody else has that. Ah, yay! Good, good. I was like, you know, sorry, can't do it. Yeah. Only the cool kids get to, this. Is I want you know what I I'll tell you I'll tell you so I, I want what I want is I want a hoodie uh, another. What hoodie. do you want? What do you really really want? Uh, I'll tell you what I want. What I really really want. Is it is it? Um, I want I, I want to get the, uh, the the season. I think it was the season eight, the silhouette one. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I want that image, and underneath it, written backwards, no one knows I'm the librarian. Okay, so so you have to look in a mirror to see. Right, right. Gotcha. I think that'd be kind of cool. I'm not obligating you to do it, but that's kind of what I like. I've always wanted like no one knows I'm the librarian. It's like, <laughs> but everybody does. But well, now they do. I mean, for a while I didn't want anybody to know, but you know, I'm totally cool with it now. That's right, because he's he's uh, super fly. He is super fly. He is. He's fresh and cool. Absolutely. Using my terms from the 90s that make me really, really dated. <laughs> you know that, that one truth bomb on the one fairy tale? It was like technically the guy who became the librarian died when he was like 23. Yeah. So he's like still a young guy technically. That's I right. Mean, he's a couple hundred years old and a moldering corpse, but still got it. Yeah, we've done some... Uh, we did some some really cool um, commercials, some, some really cool live reads for... Uh, <laughs> A couple of different places as the librarian. I think my favorite is still the the date that the librarian had with uh, um, Nicole Goodnight played the character. Oh, that was fun! That was so fun. It's like he ended up. It was like uh, it was like a two parter because the first I think it was for Wink. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the first one was like he he uh, 
Vlad kills the guy. Uh-huh. The vampire kills the guy. Um, and then in the next the next episode, as it were, the next commercial, um, Nicole Goodnight's character shows up because uh, she's there to see the guy that was killed by by Vlad and the librarian's his roommate. <laughs> And he brings brings her in, and they end up having uh, some fun, some fun in the bedroom. Absolutely, yeah. my favorite my favorite one was the uh, when we were when we were first started to do, do Patreon commercials. This is like you don't want the librarian to have to get a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was working at like the fry cook in a fast food place. Children, I thought you said children's fingers. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> don't let him around the Happy Meals, kids. Guess I'll have to go back to the DMV. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, it was a good time. But, um, didn't have anything to do with the librarian, but I loved. I, I wish we could have made more of the uh, the just fucking coffee. Yeah. Oh my god, those are so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> not created by not not uh, not created by gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just fucking coffee. It's just like the only thing, and it was just for the, the selfish reasons, like the, the one delivery was like, it's like, don't put any fucking sugar in it. Like I did it off mic and yeah. screamed it in the house. Don't put any fucking sugar in don't it. Don't put any fucking sugar I like coffee. Yeah, yours was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for someone who is an aspiring writer? Or an aspiring podcast creator. Um, and we're talking about storytelling podcasts, not general pod- general podcasts, because there's nothing wrong with those podcasts. But, you know, our listeners are probably the ones that would go out there and want to create an audio drama or do some sort of storytelling or, or that type of thing. Sure, sure. Um, advice. Um, my advice is typically usually runs the gamut of don't take any advice from anybody <laughs> um for and for anything like a uh it's like what advice do you have for me? like you know frank zappa had great advice it's like what do you have what, what advice do you have from for aspiring musicians and his advice was get a real estate license <laughs> so and that and that is absolutely not my advice for for writing just you know write uh, write as much as you can. Read everything you can get your hands on. Like I read uh, when I decided I wanted to be a writer. Uh, up until that point, I had read almost exclusively just like Stephen King and Clive Barker, and not much else really. And yeah. you know, and at the time, who, how could you blame me? There was nothing but Stephen King, like everywhere you went. But you know, and I, and I kind of yeah, Steve just, or, or Dean Koontz, thats basically it. Or right? Dean, right? But I mean, and I also kind of disparaged that I—I I also read a lot of uh, movie adaptations. Like, okay, I can't go to see The Exorcist, but oh look, there's a copy for ten cents at this flea market. Boom! So I was inadvertently like kind of feeding my appetite for you know. I read a lot of really great writers that I had no idea were as great as they were, like William Peter Blatty. You know, like I just saw The Exorcist. I'm not allowed to see this movie, but I can damn sure. Oh look, he's reading. Oh, leave, leave him alone. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, Peter Benchley. You know, I couldn't see. You know, I I saw Jaws. My my cousin took me when I was like five when it came out in the movie theaters, and I don't remember it. But like you know, it's like well, you're not watching that again. I'm like well, I'm gonna get the book. And, you know, like really great stuff like that. Read everything you can get your hands on. I used to read uh, movie adaptations 
whether it was the original book or it was made to uh, accompany the release of the movie, read everything. I've read romance novels, uh, westerns. There's a lot of great stuff out there. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. You should read everything that you can get your hands on. I think they both have value. You know, I mean, the, the bad stuff is like, well, shit, I can write better than that. Well, right. I and, mean, and, and the good stuff is like, holy shit, I want to write that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, don't don't be afraid to write terrible things because you probably will, you know. But write. I mean, write as much as you can, you know, as often as you can. Jessica McHugh, I hold as the perfect example of somebody who wants to be a writer. She writes. She she's writing stories while she's writing other stories. You know, if she were able to drive and write, she would. Um, and she does it all. You know, mostly longhand, which is fucking insane. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just you know, just write. Don't let anybody tell that you tell you that you can't do something either. Um, uh, for podcasting, uh, do what's comfortable. Uh, listen to a lot of other podcasts. Find maybe try to find something that's missing uh, from them and try to fill that in. But just be true to yourself. You know, that's the that's the best line right there. Yeah, I mean, be true to yourself. I mean, look. The wicked, yeah. I created the wicked library. I didn't reinvent the wheel. No, at all. I, I will never claim that. But you know, the wicked library started out doing something that other podcasts didn't do. Um, and when you took over the show, uh, you were doing stuff that other people didn't do better than anyone else. Like you know, you know, many people have tried to replicate the format, and the format to the show is that it's not written in stone change you know you you know you you've got the flexibility to make the show whatever it needs to be at any given time you're not afraid to fail that is the ultimate piece of advice for anyone doing anything don't be afraid to fail that is your best teacher that is going to be your favorite teacher yeah absolutely because in in trying new things you're going to find what works for you and 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 make it fun you know because that's for me, that's whenever I get bored with something, I try something new. I do yeah, something different. Absolutely. I do a cold open or I, I, I try a different way of doing things. And that's one of the things I've tried to do every season is do something a little bit different. And, you know, the show itself is I, I explore all different genres, you know. So it might be a ghost, a traditional ghost story one week and the next week it might be a slasher. And the next week after that, it might be um Western horror romance. <laughs> well, I mean, is it like you know the the the, the it, it's all in the title. It's wicked. Yeah, exactly. As long as it fits that definition, then it's it can be explored on the show, and and that's kind of the the joy of it is is not only introducing people to new writers and new voices that they haven't heard before, but also new styles and, and different like you, you'll listen to it and go wow I really like this type of horror and I didn't even know that it existed right yeah. um, or maybe you know this week hey, it was a good story and I liked it but it's not really my cup of tea you know so we're not a afraid to explore lots of different things absolutely and I think it, you know and that's you know and the writers that have been uh, in the past couple seasons, they're not afraid to experiment with with their writing. I mean, there's been a lot of really, really, really solid uh, authors. Kelly Perkins, perfect example. She's fucking amazing. She's so goddamn good. 
she and 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 she's very she's a very modest uh modest author she she i think she whenever you know she sends something in uh to for us to look at like like when the one uh the one christmas story that she sent in with the uh i can't even pronounce it i can't it's, even a, it's, a, it's a scandinavian and you said it correctly i know you, I, you, yeah you i labored it. over that like i had to labor like i had uh, i want to say it's like Yarga Dorgan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have it in front of me. I can't look. And, and I was just like, so, and I told her how awesome that story was. And I don't think she believed it. It was like, well, thanks. But like, I mean, she's fucking amazing. She's such a damn good writer. Yeah. Um, you know, this is like the, the show really, it, it, it's great to expand your palette of your reading list. You yeah. know, I mean, and there's so many diverse wonderful amazing authors miracle austin who's such a dear lady and such an excellent author she's so great um uh you know uh, sebastian bendix oh yeah fucking uh, just great stuff uh, uh a name we haven't heard in a while uh may march mm-hmm. uh you know who, who's kind of like wafting back into the uh uh, into the realms she's a great writer um, doing different styles of stuff uh, Lydia Peaver I mean just go you know Daniel Foydick you know there's uh, <laughs> who's that guy I, nah, some asshole I don't know <laughs> that's right that's right but I mean you know every the, once in a while he writes something that might be worth something well no lazy I mean lazy writer and yeah, lazy writer you um, I mean it's just you know there there's so many great great people artists Alex Murd love Alex she's just so I mean like if she didn't have all of the artwork she'd still be like a badass yeah, you know, yeah. she's still badass and she's like 10 times more badass because she's so good Jeanette I, Jeanette's like the, the, the sister and I have a sister but she's like like the other sister so she's so good yeah yeah so talented I always say she's like my little sister she's like like she's you know my daughter loves Jeanette and her and Jeanette, they haven't done it in a bit because, you know, real life gets in the way. But yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll get on the iPad and it's like, hey, I'm hanging out with Jeanette online. And they'll just have like a, a like a, a sketch jam. And they'll just like both be drawing something and checking with each other. It's so cool, you yeah. know. Um, you know, it's it's a great extended family. And, and one of the things that I love about the heart community is just that there's always that feeling of extended family. Uh, and the people that discover the Wicked Library. I love reading emails. I was like, hey, I just started listening to your show. And I went back and I listened to all the other seasons that I could get my hands on. This is the greatest. You know, like, I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not me tooting my own horn because, you know, they can listen to the shows that that you've done since you've taken over the, taken over the show. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what I'd hoped would happen when you did. So you have... Uh, You've uh, you've created a, a a standard, I think, in podcasting. Yay! <laughs> no, seriously, not, not you know. You know me. Yeah, you. I do. have this old imposter syndrome thing, so it's I, I'm I work very hard at it, but it's it's hard for me to to uh, appreciate that I've actually done something that is meaningful. Well, right, and I have the same thing, and I couldn't, you know one of the reasons to walk away from the show for me was like I couldn't appreciate it it's like I, I can't do this anymore you know and you know I kind of learned from that watching you know looking at the first five seasons and all the work that you put in and and kind of like you 
you did a lot of this in a vacuum, you know, like where you were, I mean, and I, I still do a lot of, a lot of the heavy lifting for the show, but you know, I mean, like I have other voice actors that do things I have, um, you know, for a period of time, we had a reader that was reading the stories and helping with submissions. And, you know, of course we have Nico that does the music. We have all the artists that are involved, you know, so it's, it's, it keeps it fresh for me, you know, because it's it's always kind of evolving and changing. Um, whereas I think if I was doing it like if I did it all like I did the first season, I don't know that I would have made it past like the third season. Oh, sure. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it is, uh, you know, it's you don't know what you're there's a great uh, Mark Twain saying it's like you learn when you pick a cat up by its tail, you learn something that you can't learn any other way. <laughs> You know, and, and it's, the unsaid portion of that is don't pick a cat if it's fucking to hell. Right. So, um, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that's what your your experience was, was with it. I mean, it's certainly, you know, like having that kind of flexibility and adaptability yeah, um, is, is key important. And that's something that I'm, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I certainly wasn't capable of at the time. I don't know if I'd be capable of if I created that show now. It would be complete. It would sound completely different. I would want the show to sound like it sounds now, <laughs> you know. So that's kind of cool, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the show. What I've always said is like the show is bigger and more important than the guy running it. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, which that's, is that's the. You have to know that going in because if it's all about you, it doesn't work. Right. Exactly. And it, it was. And that was, and that's, a, and that was a, like kind of a, a line that was, you know, not. I would literally jump over it on occasion. It's like, no, I can't. No, no, no. Got to walk away. Yeah, I have to twist your arm to get you to 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 submit stories and stuff. So yeah, it's my philosophy is, you know, we're writers as well, and we do a lot of hard work. We should have a story on there every once in a while, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that as long as the story's good, right? Well, I and I appreciate that. I, I really do. It's nice to it's nice to come back home every once in a while. That's right. That's right. And and tied to that, I, I guess I'll give a little piece of advice too, which is you have to be you have to allow yourself to take time off to do other things. You have to give yourself permission to take a break because that's something that I really struggled with for the first two three seasons that I did the show. Is is making it okay for myself because you know I mean I struggle with I struggle with depression and anxiety and and, and other things too. And I always have this thing where it's like, I feel guilty if I'm not creating something, you know? Right, like, right. And, and sometimes you need time off. You need to give yourself a break because you have to refill that well. You have to go out and, I mean, there's no reason why you can't play a video game for three weeks straight every night like other people do. There's no reason you can't binge stranger things or whatever you want to do there's no reason you can't go out and play with your dogs or take your daughter out and do something or whatever you have to do those things because life passes you by if you don't absolutely and there's more to life than the stuff that we create what we create is important and it's i think everybody should have a creative outlet it's one of the things that came up whenever i was interviewing alex merge she's like even if it's like cooking or your garden or whatever you should have something creative that you're doing whatever speaks to you uh, because it gives your life purpose and meaning it, it, it kind of directs you and takes all this energy and, and channels it through things um but you also need that time to just do other things you know like i picked up the guitar and started learning guitar uh since christmas 
not fantastic, but I'm learning. You're you're getting there. You're you're you're. I'm having shed. fun with it. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, I play every night, so you know it's 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 completely different than creating these shows and writing for the shows, and and that's been really helpful to me. Yeah, you ha- you have to do that. I think just to, for your own sanity. Yeah, it's never too late to to pick up something new and and explore something that you want to do, even if it's writing. If you're listening to the show and you're a writer or you want to be a writer or you've tinkered around with writing, there's just do it. Yeah, do it. Do it, baby. All right. All right. Uh, like my my biggest guilty indulgence, I've which I've never I've never had guilty indulgences. Although I used yeah. to smoke. Um, which I don't anymore. So it's good been, for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm 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 healthy. I'm I'm sure you know the you know at this point, like I'm so healthy that my body will just reject my soul. At this point, <laughs> it's just like I'm just gonna die. It's like we don't need the shit that's running it anymore. But I've like like video. You mentioned video games. I'm playing Fallout Four. Nice. Been playing it for like a year and a half. I have uh, I have 14 power suits. That's awesome. I'm like I'm like fucking yeah. Bruce I saw Wayne you posted something about that. I was like, I didn't know Nelson played video games. Oh, I do, I do. I, I like I maintain like, and I kept away from it. Like, but the kids were like, uh, can we not have a Wii anymore and just get something cool like the PS4? So I got the PS4. Yeah. And uh, I've been playing Fall. Like the only game I play is Fallout 4. Nice. I finished the game like six months ago, but you can you can continue on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, so I have like all these. I've I've built like a little settlement and shit. And nice. I've got these these armor suits i'm like tony stark it's awesome. I've, and i've got 14 of them and they're really you have to like build up money and stuff so i just like you know go rob people and i have all these power armor suits <laughs> and i'm like and my daughter's like whoa those are so cool I'm like right and i'm like take pictures of this shit for me you know that's awesome but it's yeah it's a good time that's that i get my geek on that way so it's there awesome we, there we go so hey if any other adam cats out there you know let me know give me a holler that's right <laughs> You can find Nelson on Twitter at uh, at Nelson W Piles on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com backslash Nelson dot piles. Uh, Instagram, Instagram. Nelson piles website gone. Awesome. I've I've uh, I've de- decommissioned Nelson W piles dot com uh, mainly mainly for practical reasons. Like it, it's more of a hassle to put all the stuff that I can do uh, on the bus then like so, okay i gotta woodshed and I, I i it's not gone away forever but it's gone away for now so well you mean you got the social medias right I've you got, got the, facebook I got, twitter I, I got the social medias the twitter the twitters i'm a twit and i've got you tweets the, all the times like a boyd i got the insta page and the face look and all that uh, the whole Fucker, you know i've got it all you got it. The face look, whatever the fuck that thing is. <laughs> the emails, uh, the stories. So uh, you got the Amazon page. Yeah, I got the Amazon page. Uh, you know, you can go there. You can get my books on the Amazon. Uh, you can get albums by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, the whole mishpacha, everything is on, you know. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And um, you're, what are you working on now? Uh working on my suntan um no i'm working i'm working on our uh i'm working on the very first wicked library anthology i hoped you were gonna drop that oh yeah oh yeah uh me and dan are woodshedding on this thing it's gonna be cool this is gonna be really 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 cool i'm not gonna drop any names that are in the book oh come on drop two i'll drop you want me to drop two yeah just at random well one one uh, the first one uh, the first one won't count jessica McHugh. 
we could not the first name that was discussed when when dan's like we should do i, I think it's time i'm like yeah. okay who do we want in this thing first name jessica McKeo. she's been she's the only author that has been on every single season every single season um you know and she still kicks ass she's great like i did you read did you read the story that she's had in I started reading it. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, unfortunately. But it's a great fucking story. It, I've, I've read it twice. And, and uh, Jess, if you're listening to this, I haven't had a chance to write you back personally. But damn. Thank you. Um, let's see. So we won't count her. Um, let's see. Because uh, she's a given. Because she's a given. I mean, you have you, to. You didn't, we weren't going to do the anthology if she didn't say yes. Absolutely right. That was um, that was kind of what we had discussed. I was like, if she's not going to be in, then I don't want to do it. Um, one of my all-time favorite writers, uh, Lydia Peaver, is going to be sending it. And I haven't even I, I haven't I haven't got the story yet. She's still she's still kicking it out. Um, and it, it worries me that not like because she was like the second or third person that I asked honestly, mm-hmm. and. She she is such a great uh, short story writer. Mm. I mean, she's a great novelist, um, and I always plug uh, Nightface whenever I can because yeah, I yeah. still love that. It's like the best vampire novel in the last 15, 20 years. It's great. Um, when she's woodshedding on something, it's like, this is going to be fucking awesome. It's oh, like, yeah. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Um, I think uh, Mike Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Mike wrote some killer stuff. Oh yeah, for this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's he sent me a screenshot of, of something. It was hilarious. He's a very funny guy, but he he definitely brings the spooky. Uh, and of course, you know, if you mention Mike, uh, mention Pippa. Pippa Bailey's got a great, st- really great story in here. And that's all I'm going to drop on there. Yeah, we we got other names. We've we've got other stories, um, but we'll save those for another episode. And I believe I believe the librarian is going to have something in there as well. Not a story. He's not a fiction writer. He's a librarian for great. Because how do you have a wicked library? Uh, we got to have extras. You got to have extras. There are going to be some cool extras in here. That's right. But yeah, we'll uh, and and we'll uh, maybe drop the mic on that. All right. Sound good? I mean, it's your show. I mean, sounds great. Well, all right then, Daniel. Nicely done, sir. And that'll be it. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone.